What's going on, everybody? On this episode of Flip the Switch, Katie, Rudy, and I are jamming on how to make a more effective brainstorm. So if you're trying to figure out and plan for whatever it is that you're working on, going to be a lot of ideas on how to run a more effective brainstorm. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. Katie, what's happening? Let's jump into this. Let's do it. All right. So uh, for everybody listening, we're kind of doing a little bit of new format. Uh, we love interviewing great experts in customer experience and employee experience and sports business and fandom. But one thing that Katie and I were talking about that we don't do enough is talk about the lessons that we learn on a regular basis as we experiment ourselves and as we work with our partners in the sports and entertainment space. So we are going to be coming out uh, with a more frequent, shorter version episodes with just Katie and I brainstorming on current topics uh, and shooting the crap on topics and things that our clients are wrestling with. So uh, first topic that we got is how to lead a better brainstorm. Uh, Katie, you have been through many a brainstorm in the sports and entertainment space. At Disney, I went through a ton of them, learned a lot of lessons of what to do, what not to do. So let's just unpack it. Uh, your, what's your experience been with brainstorms in sports and entertainment? I've been in a lot of different brainstorms, and some of them have been effective. Some of them haven't been. I think the most effective ones are ones where you actually do something after the brainstorm. But what I've learned is all about how you get yourself in the right frame of mind. Um, whether that's you're personally brainstorming for a project that you're working on or whether you're putting yourself in the right frame of mind with the team that you're trying to collaborate with. So um, I think the framework is really important to getting yourself into an effective brainstorm. I totally agree. Um, so let, let's start here. Uh, we put together a little Google Doc and you had your notes. I had my notes of just like things that we could talk about on the show. So uh, first thing I see on your list is myths to refute about brainstorming. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that and what you were thinking there? I hear a lot of people say, oh, I'm not good at brainstorming. And a lot of it is they get hung up on some of the things that they think could go wrong with brainstorming. Like, I'm not creative. I'm not innovative. And I think creative and innovative get thrown around um, a little too seriously sometimes. And I think people think, oh, I'm not artsy or something like that. But creative and innovative um, have totally different meanings. Um, there's a link that we'll put in the show notes, but there's actually 10 different forms of innovation. It doesn't have to be you're creating the next iPhone. It's you're moving a line cube differently. That can be innovation. So as you're thinking about how to improve your business or how to improve something and you're trying to brainstorm for a better idea, it's all about how could you tweak something just a little bit to make it better. Love it. And I, I think when you're coming at it from that point of mind of just let's get an inch better, as opposed to trying to get a mile better and try to reinvent the wheel, you really start to alleviate a lot of stress, alleviate a lot of anxiety, and you start to focus on what can we actually change today, as opposed to just trying to do these big ticket items. So um, cool. Well, I, one thing I wanted to shout out, we'll, we'll jump in here is like, I think one thing that we do a good job with, uh, we can do a better job with, but it always helps to set the brainstorm right with identifying what does success look like. So we always start it with any type of brainstorm that we do, whether it's with us, whether it's with our clients, is we use this phrase, three words that are super important. How might we? So those three words, putting those into a sentence really opens you up to a mindset, to your point, Katie, of 
thinking about opportunities, not thinking about how can we, because then people start to get into the feasibility of things. Well, we can't do that. But if you say, how might we make our queue lines more efficient? How might we generate more revenue from our current customers? How might we drive engagement up on social media? Whatever it might be, if you say, how might we, and then phrase that question, you can now start to get a lot more specific with the brainstorm as opposed to just saying, we're going to do a brainstorm on how to make football better. Like that is way too broad and not specific enough. And so the how might we framing and figuring out what do we want to walk away with from this brainstorm really sets you up for success. Totally agree. Um, all right. So let's go back into this. I, uh, that's a good segue into some of your notes here. You've got set the stage, set the stage for a successful brainstorm. So in your mind, Katie, what are some of those things that set the stage for a successful brainstorm? Um, I think the first one is location. Yeah, um, I was listening to a podcast the other day that they were talking about where are you most creative or where do your best ideas come from? And um, as everybody was shouting out answers, not a single person said in the office. They talked about oh, when they were on a walk or in the shower or driving to work. It's how do you put yourself in the frame of mind where you can have the freedom to just spitball ideas that you're not staring at your computer, you're not distracted by your phone. How do you have the freedom to just let go whatever comes to mind? Um, but also thinking about it in the context of what you're working on. So I was listening to a podcast with Jesse Cole from the Savannah Bananas, and he was saying he and his team were sitting around and they were talking about how to make some improvements to their merch store. And finally, one guy said, well, why don't we just go there? And as they finally went up there, they realized that the umbrellas were in the wrong spot. They didn't have certain sizes that they needed. There was one size of hats. You know, there was things that they would have never thought about if they weren't in that spot. Yeah, lo location's huge. And right, right now, it's this is interesting because I think as a lot of people are either uh, at home because of Omicron or at home because they just haven't fully returned to the office, whatever it might be, I think brainstorms traditionally we've done them in person and when they're on zoom people kind of freak out and they just say okay well let's have all of our squares up brady bunch style and let's throw out ideas as opposed to using certain tools i mean we use a virtual tool a virtual whiteboard room that we have everybody going to thinking about location matters even when you're virtual and the tool that we use is called mural uh let's link to that in the show notes but so it's, it's called mural and honestly there have been many a time where I think we've done better brainstorming virtually in that virtual whiteboard room with everybody looking at that than we have in person because everybody can move stuff at the same time. Whereas sometimes in a person, in a, in person, you've got to have a facilitator moving it around. And so like, you're right. I mean, the, the location and the mindset of where you are really matters a ton. Um, what, what about like, I mean, what are some people that if they don't have a retail store, I mean, where, where are you thinking like what, what's a better way of getting up and out of it and setting a better location? Well, I think even just the frame of mind. I mean, I remember there was one time that I was trying to write a baseball marketing plan when I was in back in college athletics. It was the middle of December. It was 20 degrees out and I'm supposed to be thinking about baseball. In order to get in the baseball frame of mind, I put the Sandlot on and that I watched the Sandlot oh, yeah. and I watched Angels in the Outfield and I spent five hours to putting together a baseball marketing plan. But because of that, you know, I had a game that I went to that was Sandlot themed. And that took me back to that minor league baseball game that I went to, started thinking about promos from that. That's what led to the entire brainstorm that I had. So sometimes it's not even you have to get in a different location, but just putting yourself in a different frame of mind. 
I, I feel like the way you wrote your notes on here in this Google Doc is way more like flowy than what I wrote, because that is a perfect transition <laughs> to the next concept I think you wanted to bring up of like really introducing play and thinking like a kid, right? I mean, definitely too often in brainstorms, we we get into this adult mode of like why you can't do something. Yeah. And so actually, I'm going to bring this up. This is really interesting. So. Uh, I'm reading, I'm reading, the, rereading The Little Prince, if anybody knows it. Um, have you ever read that? I have not. Okay, definitely recommend it. It's like 60 pages. It's basically like prose, poetry. Um, it, it's, it's a legendary book. But uh, there's, there's some really interesting concepts in here. And the, 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 the page or the book starts where he's talking about drawing. And he didn't know how to draw when he was a kid. And so he wanted to draw a boa constrictor eating an elephant and so when he drew it it like it looked like a hat kind of thing like with the shape of it and all the adults were like well, why'd you draw a hat and he's like it's not it's a boa constrictor eating an elephant the elephant's inside of the snake and all the adults were like you should stick to math and like all the like arithmetic and so and he goes on to say and it, like it keeps going and it just talks about how so often because we're classically trained in certain subjects, we think that we have to think in those terms and we don't think in an imaginative way like kids do. So that was a long winded way of saying, think like a kid. That's what your point is on here. So tell yeah. us more about what you've got there. I'm just rambling. I came across a Twitter thread a couple of weeks ago that was all about how adults need to act more like kids. And one of them was like, adults need to learn how to tinker and like, just like take things apart. It's almost like, when you're building the Lego block of towers and you could make it anything that you wanted it to be, that kids just think in so much more of the creative terms and that they, that it can become anything. And, you know, adults, like you said, get so close-minded into, well, this is the way it is. This is the framework that I have to work within. The only ideas I can come up with are within the current confines of how things currently operate. Whereas kids throw out all the rules out the window. Yeah. And I think one way to get into the mind of the mindset of being like a kid is really simple. Like the last session brainstorm session that we ran where we had the little like plush balls, the plush soccer balls, the plush footballs, the plush baseballs, and we're throwing them around the room and it kind of puts you into a mindset. I mean, at one point, all the balls got thrown at me because I made a joke about gray hair being in the room, but like it, it put everybody in the mindset of thinking like I did. I did. Fine. But but it got us out of like looking at spreadsheets and graphs and put us more into the playful mindset. And I think our ideas were better as a result. Yeah. Um, so let's talk more about those ideas. Right. Some of those cr non crazy ideas, like no ideas too crazy. That's another thing that you've got on here of how do we get into the mindset of no ideas too crazy, stupid or insignificant? I think it's giving people that allowance that you can just throw anything out there. One of the things that you've introduced quite a bit is the yes and. So without saying no, without disregarding any idea, it's just immediately yes and. Or I think of, okay, well, tell me more. Um, you know, we're both huge fans of Ted Lasso. And one of my favorite clips is the be curious, not judgmental. It's asking questions. It's figuring out why did you think that way? You know, even if that idea doesn't work, how can you spin that off into something that might work? So it's um, trying to get to something that may actually be a feasible solution. 
there there's a really great improv show on netflix called middle ditch and swartz um if you ever watched parks and rec it's john ralphio from parks and rec or silicon valley it's the main character from from that they're teamed up together and they're doing long form improv and it is just filled with yes and because like for 45 minutes they're doing improv with just the two of them playing all these different characters and if at any point one of them says no, I don't want to go in that direction. It totally ruins the whole thing. So they just are constantly trying to throw out more ridiculous ideas and see how the other person can react to it. But I think those principles of that you take from improv of yes and how do we build on top of it can keep momentum flowing and keep juices going as opposed to the second somebody says no, that's a that's not a good idea in a brainstorm. It just throws momentum breaks on. Um so yeah, I, I love that concept of yes and. Um, one of the other things in here. Oh, go ahead. Well, and the other idea to steal from Jesse Cole again is, I mean, the Savannah Bananas are known for their ridiculously crazy ideas, and some of them people may not feel comfortable sharing. So when they have their crazy brainstorm sessions, they have a box that they put in the middle of the room, and so everything is put in anonymously, and they pull out every single idea one by one and talk about how they could actually do it, so that. That way, if somebody may not feel comfortable sharing a crazy off-the-wall idea, it can be shared and it can be kind of broken down to the point that the group feels comfortable actually trying to figure out a way to implement it. It, it is funny. Like, I feel like Jesse does not get enough credit. We talk about him a lot on this show, like yeah. from the more serious big league teams. But it's like right now they're doing a world tour. And again, they're a summer league baseball team, and they're going to drive more revenue than a lot of college programs. Uh, and, and it's just like, you know, what are we doing? Like, why are we not paying more attention to this guy? We're too serious. And they're, they're having all the fun. So he uh, had a thing today that they're going from two tickets to 2 million tickets by 2035. So he's doing something right. So something, something else on here that you've got is provocative prompting. What the heck is that? So um, I saw this in a Forbes article on nine simple ways to lead an effective brainstorming. And one of them was provocative prompting. So things like, you know, what is the best customer review you've ever had? What does it say? Um, what is the worst customer experience you've had? What happened and how would you ensure that it never happened to you again? What systems would you put in place? So kind of setting the stage for like best, worst, kind of superlative things to put yourself in a mindset of how could this either happen to you again or not happen to you again? If you're facilitating a brainstorm, I love this term of provocative prompting. Sometimes I think about it as like constraints. Mm -hmm. um, so many times I think a facilitator of a brainstorm that's not been trained in facilitating brainstorms will just say, all right, what ideas do people have? But to your point of provocative prompting, it puts people in a specific mind to actually come up with ideas. And again, the point is that to, you get started on the ideas and there's some direction and it can build and people will build on top of it. I think people get scared of constraints or specific questions like that because they think it's going to narrow their ideas. But in reality, when you actually see it and when you actually see it happen, more ideas come as a result. I mean, right. I, I, I put up here constraints as mine and I, that's how I think about provocative prompting. And I have a couple in here like, what are what are ideas that are going to get you fired if you suggested it in front of your boss? What are ideas that employees would love but customers would hate? Right. And when you start doing that, it starts people start thinking about the the challenge a little bit differently and you start to get ideas you wouldn't have had before. And that's really the goal of a brainstorm. New ideas. Absolutely. 
Um, all right. So another thing you've got in here uh, is something around ideal work structure. What what is what is that? So it was a prompt that we actually had a couple of weeks ago in a session that we ran. Is one of those provocative prompts of how do you define? You know, as we look about we're talking about employee experience, you know, how do you define what your ideal work structure is? And so how do you work towards that? So, um, you know, the the office setup, the work hours, it was just one of those things of how do you get to where you want to go? And how do you come up with all the ideas that get you to that place? I look like I was just like setting us up by like saying, oh, what is that? But like, in reality, <laughs> all it said was ideal work structure people on this Google Doc. I didn't know what else it said. I wasn't like teeing us up to sell it. But um uh, all right. Another thing that you've got on here is the number of people in a brainstorm matters. Um, in your mind, what is a ideal number for people in a brainstorm? I think all too often you have, you know, committee structures and we're going to bring everybody together so we can get a whole bunch of ideas. And the problem with that is then individuals feel like they can't share their ideas or they get nervous about sharing their ideas in front of a large group. So um, what I have seen the best way is allow people to have five minutes to share all the ideas that they have. Jot them down on post-its or anything, sheet of paper, however they want to jot their stuff down. Then they can share it with a small group of people. So those who are sitting at their table, can they then share it with a small, you know, another subset of group of people before sharing it with a large audience of, if you have a team of 50 that you're trying to collaborate on new ideas with, how do you segment it so that people feel comfortable sharing the ideas that they have? Love it. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, that we'll talk about that and like how we flow brainstorms in, in a little bit. Um, and then one other thing that you've got here is like plan of attack after brainstorm, which totally people make this mistake. They run the brainstorm and then at the end of it, they're like, we'll get back to you with, with what that looks like next. And there was no real plan to figure out how do we actually get to a next step. Again, part of that is because success isn't defined. It's just we're going to get a bunch of ideas. But how do you think about plan of attack after a brainstorm? I think there's a couple of ways to think about it. If you are trying to set these constraints of every idea is on the table and you can throw out any crazy idea, obviously you're not going to be able to do them all. So it's trying to identify what are ones that can be quick and easy wins that you feel like this brainstorm was effective, then you're going to be inspired to do another one in the future that something actually got done. And also defining how you can continue working towards those crazy ideas that they are also still on the table. So, you know, we set up a session that we did not too long ago on short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals. So things that can be done in a month, things that can be done within a year, things that can be done you know, one to five years. And that way, everybody understands exactly the framework of how things are going to be worked on. And they feel like that they contributed to something that is actually going to inspire change. That the piece about that you said about making sure that you set it up and you follow up so that people want to do this again is huge. Because how many people in sports and entertainment at this point when they hear the word brainstorm, it's not just sports entertainment, it's every industry. When they hear the word brainstorm, they're like, uh, how much time are we going to be in there? Right. Right. Because if, if you go in there and you give your ideas and nothing happens with those ideas, you just wasted everybody's time. Uh, and, and so I think you're right. Having the plan of attack for after the brainstorm, what we're going to do with what comes out of it is probably more important than what actually happens in that session. Absolutely. So. 
solid points here um, that you've got. I've, I've got a few if you want to go through some of those. All right. So we talked a little bit about the success and framing it. Going back a little bit, though, how do you establish some of the rules for getting to success? Um, so some of the things that you have on here on how to defer judgment or encourage different thoughts. I'll let you divulge on that. Yeah, so so some great resources from a company called IDEO, which is probably the the premier like design thinking firm, if you will. Um, they put out a lot of great resources that you can go download. We'll link to it, uh, like IDOU, IDEO University. They've got a lot of courses that you can take and whatnot. But one of the first things that, about brainstorming and basically any course that they have, no matter what the topic is, is starting to come up with ideas, right? And so the thought process there is that you want to start with a ton of ideas and then you want to narrow them down later on. So it's kind of this like uh, divergent thinking. So tons of them all in different ways and then convergent thinking where everything comes back into play. But to do that, you really kind of have to establish some rules so that people feel safe. Like we've been talking about, like the psychological safety that I can say things and and like I'm not going to get booed out of the room. So seven rules that we always start a brainstorm with are Number one, defer judgment. Number two, encourage wild ideas. Number three, build on the ideas of others. Number four, stay focused on the topic. Number five, one conversation at a time. Number six, be visual. And number seven, like we were saying, go for quantity. Uh, And so if you lead off with rules of the brainstorm, you might throw some of your own specific based on the industry that you're in, based on the rules of the organization. But like set those rules so that people know what's okay and what's not okay in that brainstorm. Do you have any conversations with individuals going into that brainstorm? So is it enough for the facilitator to say at the start of the conversation, oh, every idea is a good idea, just throw it out there? Or how do you set the stage in advance so that people do feel comfortable sharing? If you're you're facilitating in your own organization, you can kind of do this a little bit better um, th- there's pros and cons to doing it with a third party versus with somebody from the inside, right? So one thing that you want to do is be able to have trusting conversations with people at the beginning. So one thing that we always like to do if we know it's going to be a sensitive topic is be around the office prior to that brainstorm and have some one-off conversations with people because they'll inevitably ask you, hey, I see the topic is this. Are we going to talk about X? Because I really want to talk about that, but I'm only going to talk about that if so-and-so is not going to be there. And I really want to talk about it. So is so-and-so going to be there? Or I really want to talk about this, but is anything going to be done about that? Are we allowed to talk about that? So people will have questions and it's important to kind of have some of those informal rule conversations ahead of time, if you will, and they'll spread the word. And you can, again, formally bring that up in the session, but you kind of want to understand what are the unwritten rules that people are thinking about so that you can announce those during the session. Uh, one of the other things that we did in advance of a brainstorming session we recently held is we gave a lot of pre-work and and some articles to read in advance of that. Does that always have to be done or do you just set the stage of here's what we're going to talk about? Just come prepared to talk to it. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it depends, right? Like for, for certain topics, like if you know there's like a, a, a wide range of expertise on a certain topic. Like some people are going to be really in the know. Some people are going to be really not in the know. Like again, college athletics perspective, if you're talking about something with NIL, some people are going to be really versed on it. Some people are going to be pretty 
pretty new to it in terms of the understandings of the complexity of it. So I think for more complex, nuanced ideas, you probably want to do some level setting. If it's more basic and broad, then you don't necessarily need to do as much level setting and pre-work to it. That's my take on it. Um, let, let's, I mean, I guess a couple other things in here. I mean, we said constraints, consider different styles, thinkers. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's kind of my last thing that I had is just like, when you're doing the brainstorm, like from an actual structure perspective, I love post-it notes. I, what, what's your take on post-it notes? I think post-notes are fun, especially when you have different colors and then you start, I, I think the colors inspire different attitudes. I, I'm all about post-it notes and having different ways of organizing your ideas. Totally. And I think you can just quick fire it and it, okay. So for everybody that's listening, if you want to run a, your own brainstorm, I mean, when you're considering different thinkers and people that are in the room, this is how we run almost every brainstorm. So starting off silent silent time and this is where people get uncomfortable they're like wait what we're it's a brainstorm and there's no talking but if you've got introverts in the room you want there to be some time for that person to get their thoughts out not only that but even for your extroverts this exercise is great so you say all right seven minutes five minutes ten minutes however much time you have no talking write as many ideas as you possibly can on individual post-it notes just go and if people are like pausing and stopping and putting their pens down after like five post-it notes yell at them I mean, that's what we do. We're just like, really, that's all the ideas you have. Why are you here? Um, and and so you kind of get people going and you want them to have a pile of post-it notes. Then once they have that pile of post-it notes, then you want to introduce them into the small groups. So groups of, let's call it five to six, if you will. And then they're sharing and grouping like ideas. So if all the idea, if we're talking about employee experience, you want them to start grouping ideas based on rewards and recognition, based on communication, based on benefits, based on, right? You start to see that and they start to group those ideas. Then outside of the small group, you bring them into the big group and you have the small group share their different, um, their different ideas with each other. And there's specific structured way that we do that. So it's not chaos. Um, but again, I mean, really the point being is go from individual to small group to big group. But by the time you get to the big group, really only the best ideas are living. Uh, so again, that goes back to that divergent thinking into the uh, convergent thinking. And so that's kind of how we run our brainstorms. And yeah, I don't know. Hopefully I think it takes the pressure off of people who can't figure out how to organize a list because there's a lot of people who get hung up on, I can't figure out how to put things in order on my list to make sure my list makes sense. Totally. Yeah. If you're working on it with other people and just it's messy and you're moving post-it notes, it's way easier to do that. Yeah. All right. I don't know how much time we just took, but hopefully it wasn't that long. What do you think? Is this a good? Hopefully this, good? this leads to effective brainstorm for somebody else. Now I'm going to go brainstorm for our next podcast. At this point, I don't even know what to do with my hands. It's just like the two of us. Like, do we tell each other where to reach each other on Twitter? I don't know. Some <laughs> weird shit. All right. Let's end this podcast. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. Let us know uh, on Twitter uh, or via email if you like this format. I know we've gotten some notes saying people like it. Uh, give us other topics that you want us to go in on. and. We'll do our research, bring in uh, our expertise, and yeah, we'll go from there.